Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. It's a long throw. It's Harrison. Nobody around. Marvin Harrison Jr. waltzes in. So they had to go in last year as Hartman gets it right to Colsey on the outside. Colsey stays on his feet and takes it in. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Fourth of the day for Sam Hartman. Interesting call. And look at the poor punt. With the best beginning field position, 35 of L.A. He's got here. That's a touchdown. The sack sets it up. The defense held. The electrifying hill finishes it off for Tua Tungvaluwa. Base hit. Here comes Gabby. Here comes Perdomo. Carbon Carroll gives the D-backs the lead. He's two for two. A chance to add to this 5-2 lead. Bounces it through. Peterson scores. Perdomo will score. Corbin into third. Marte out at second, but two runs come across. Got him. Paul Sewell, the 1-2-3-9 with a couple of strikeouts. Win number 80 for the Diamondbacks, and they have won four in a row. And the season series with the Giants on the line tomorrow. So they're going to try to pick it up on fourth and four. Pressure in Dart's face. Gets away. Falls downfield. Caught at the five by Trigg. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Jackson Dart. What a tremendous play to elude pressure. They set it downs again for Alabama. Bad snap. Milrow scoops it up. And he's trying to make something out of nothing. They'll add Lev for the quarterback in his second start, and he is in! Touchdown, Alabama! The one-two. Canario hits one in the air. Deep left center field. Way back. This will go! Round slam! You knew it was a good matchup for Canario. And guess what? The kid's first home run in the friendly confines. First home run in the big leagues, a grand slam here in front of 34,000. 10-1 Cubs. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, September 20th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7, Ohio State Notre Dame, who wins Saturday night in South Bend. Tua, should he be favored to win the NFL, the NFL MVP? He is in most sports books right now. The Diamondbacks, what stands out over the last four games, all victories. Alabama Old Miss, who got ATS on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. The Cubs, are they an NL playoff team? And what else caught your eye since our last show? 
Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction to today's pipeline. 9.15, we'll have Notre Dame-Ohio State preview with the Brandon Gullick of uh, Sports Illustrated. It covers the Buckeyes. 9.30, you'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include Diamondbacks and Giants analysis from Tuesday night, which really doesn't require too much analysis, but we'll get to some of that. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by Rip from the Headlines and from the Wire. Then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more phone call time, among many things. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who wins Saturday night in South Bend, Notre Dame, or Ohio State? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. That I do. And right now, leading the way, it is Notre Dame with 100% of the vote. Wow, no love for the Buckeyes. Ohio State, before the season started, a seven-point favorite in this game and some of the look-ahead numbers and some of the early sports books that, uh, or some of the sports books that took uh, early numbers on these games. Uh, by the way, the number this week, I saw as low as two and a half earlier in the week. It's mostly three at multiple sports books around the world right now. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll, should Tua Tungvaloa be favored to win this season's NFL MVP? And Kayla, what do we have here? No, out in front, 57.1% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 42.9%. This is over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Tung of through two games, has become the MVP favorite at many worldwide sports books, moving ahead of one Patrick Mahomes. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks, 4-0 and zero on the homestand. The four-run second inning against the Giants was the difference on Tuesday night. What has been most impressive during the Diamondbacks' current home stand? Meanwhile, back to the little Spain in the Globe action here and back to college football. After roughly just a handful of top 25 matchups total during the first three weeks of the season, there are six 25 top, showdown, uh, top 25 showdowns this week. And uh, that six does not include Clemson and Florida State because Clemson's not ranked in the AP poll this week. But it does include Old Miss in Alabama. That's Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban. One more time, or once again. I don't think it's the last time, but we'll, you know, at least once again. Uh, who you got sat, uh, Saturday night in Tuscaloosa? Alabama laying seven or Old Miss plus seven? Meanwhile, the Cubs' offense erupted the Cubs' five-game losing streak. Of course, three of those were last weekend against the Diamondbacks. Uh, they broke that streak and, uh, you know, they destroyed the Pirates last night, the lowly Pirates, 14-1. to Are the Cubs an NL playoff team? Got less than two weeks to go in the regular season. Also, in addition to all these outstanding questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category? So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. 
Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by an Ohio State-Notre Dame preview. Brian Gullick will join us, who covers Ohio State for Sports Illustrated. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. I also include the local roundup, topped by some Diamondbacks, uh, Tuesday night analysis with the victory over the Giants. And uh, we'll briefly go through uh, the Cardinals, this week, ASU this week, the U of A this week, some point spread updates and a couple other little, uh, not much as far as informative stuff going on with those teams right now, but uh, we'll throw in a little a couple of items time pending in that uh, local roundup segment today. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS HD2 100.7. home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Ohio State and Notre Dame meet in just the second top 10 battle over the first four weeks of this college football season. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Brian Gulick, of, who covers Ohio State for the Sports Illustrated. Uh, Brian, let's start with Ohio State 3-0 and zero so far. Wins over Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky. Uh, what have we learned through three games? Well, Bob, it's good to talk to you again. Um, I think uh, I think we've learned that this team certainly has the talent that uh, we expected they would have, and I think it's probably a good thing they didn't play Notre Dame right out of the gate because I'm not so sure it would have gone extremely well. The reality is you're replacing an offensive lineman and you're replaced, or I should say, a quarterback and three offensive linemen uh, that all went to the NFL. So it was going to look a little bumpy, but. Uh, Marvin Harrison still looks like Marvin Harrison. Uh, to me, I think Kyle McCord is pretty capable of leading this team you know, toward a college football path appearance. I, I think they've got a challenging uh, three games on their schedule, probably. I'm not so sure the Wisconsin game is going to be as difficult as I first thought it would be, but you know, Notre Dame and Penn State and Michigan are all really good. Um, but I think this team, you know, after three weeks, kind of trying to get their – their feet underneath them, they, they look solid. I'm not ready to say Ohio State's going to win a national championship, but the reality is they don't have to yet. They just, you know, this week they just got to go beat Notre Dame. I think they're, they're certainly capable of doing that. Okay, so let's break down some of the things you just said there. Let's start with the offense. After McCord was named the starting quarterback officially last week, he was impressive against Western Kentucky. How do you evaluate him uh, at this point, uh, you know, basically three starts into the uh, into the season. I think Kyle's been really good. He uh, he's shown an ability to make some pretty impressive throws. I mean, he's you know, obviously in the college game, the, the hash marks are wider than in the NFL game, right? So 
We've seen him a couple of times, uh, for example, like be out wide left on the field and make throws deep up the right side of the field, um, you know, to, to receivers and be on target. I mean, last week he was 19 of 23 for 318 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, I thought he showed some impressive resiliency after uh, a strip sack fumble early in the game where things were maybe, you know, unraveling a little bit. Um, he kind of put his foot in the ground and said, look, I'm, I'm not going to let this get away and put together a great performance. Uh, I, look, I, I think it's way too early to say anything of great superlative about Kyle, but I feel very confident in telling you that he has what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick. You know, let's see how his career unfolds. But he's got the size. He's got the arm strength for sure. He's a really intelligent kid. His teammates love him. Um, you know, he's got incredibly uh, good coaching at Ohio State. I and mean, look, Ryan Day, what, what he's done with quarterbacks uh, has been, you know, more impressive than any other college coach in the country. I could absolutely see Kyle McCord being a professional quarterback, whether or not he becomes a, a multi-gazillionaire and, you know, uh, an NFL superstar. <laughs> Let's wait and see how it goes. But he, he absolutely has what it takes uh, to lead Ohio State and, and to make this uh, you know, a big-time career for himself. Okay, we can say you know, big-time superlatives about Marvin Harrison Jr. Ohio State's turned out a whole lot of wide receivers in the recent years going to the NFL. He's considered to be the best of that group. What sets Harrison apart from those other guys? You know, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint any one specific thing, but um, his work ethic is off the charts. And for as much time as I have spent in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, um, you know, when we're allowed to be there, you know, let me preface this by saying practice is closed to the media, uh, but we're there several days a week, you know, with the ability to talk to coaches or players after practice, things like that. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gone in on the indoor field where we're going to shoot a stand-up uh, video for some of our coverage, and there is exactly one guy working out, um, and it's Marvin. He's using a, a, a jugs machine to throw himself lots of different kinds of, of passes, you know, passes with great velocity over short distances or practicing running, you know, 40-yard post routes. Um, you just can't teach somebody to want to work hard. You know, you got to have that. And uh, when you combine a, a truly elite skill set and athleticism with an equally elite work ethic, you get a really special product. And, you know, God, I hope he stays healthy because he is as special a talent, in my opinion, that has ever come through Ohio State's receiver room. Um, and, and, you know, I, I firmly believe he is one of the five best players in college football. The receiver group for Ohio State considered to be the best in the country by most to go against a good Notre Dame secondary that includes Benjamin Morrison, who's from Brophy Prep here in Phoenix. Uh, how do you break down the matchup on Saturday night with the Ohio State receivers against the secondary from Notre Dame? I think Notre Dame's strength in their secondary is their, their veteran presence. They've got a lot of experience. Uh, I think Ohio State's receiver group is quite a bit more athletic than, than Notre Dame's secondary. So, you know, it's going to be a schematic thing. How does Notre Dame try to disguise coverage? Can their veteran players uh, anticipate things because they've seen so many different things? Can they anticipate things fast enough that you know maybe it, it prevents an Ohio State receiver from breaking? 
caught in just straight-up one-on-one, you know, man-to-man matchups, I think Ohio State's going to have the advantage there. Brendan Gulick, who covers Ohio State for the uh, for Sports Illustrated, currently in the sports zone. Okay, so the offense uh, before the Western Kentucky route, they, they had struggled on third down, especially struggled in short yardage. Is the offensive line, you mentioned three new starters uh, this year. Are they ready for this on Saturday night? Is McCord ready for this Saturday night? How do you evaluate that game uh, or that group, I should say, or combination thereof going into South Bend? Yeah, it's, uh, that, to me, that's the biggest question going into the game. I think Kyle McCord is going to be ready. Um, the offensive line right now is, is kind of the lingering question mark around this Buckeye team. To me, that's what's separating is this a good team or is this a great team? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm choosing as an Ohio State fan, right, to try to put a lot of faith and confidence in the coaching staff to get it right. Uh, they made a change at offensive line coach before last season, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, they were losing battles and recruiting. They felt they should be winning. And right now you're just being part of that unfolding. Um I'm not trying to dog on Josh Simmons. He's Ohio State starting left tackle, and he had a good run at at, uh, San Diego State last year, but I feel like there was a reason he was not at a Power 5 school right away. He's a good player. I need to see more from him. I I don't think Ohio State's left tackle can get away with playing the way Josh has played. He's he's been okay, but he hasn't been great. Um, Notre Dame's got a good defense, and – you know, Ohio State has not done a great job of controlling the line of scrimmage these first couple games. Admittedly, I think they've gotten a little bit better at it each game, but they certainly haven't seen a defensive line quite like what they're going to see with Notre Dame. So they're going to have to figure out a way to be tougher, and they've got to control the line of scrimmage because if Kyle's under duress all game long, uh, it's going to be difficult for the offense to really get moving. Ryan Day wants to run the football. Um, I, I give him credit for that. In, in years past, he's been a little bit more pass-happy. I think Ohio State's running back room um, is probably as healthy as it's been in a long time, and they've got some really good running backs. I, I think those guys are going to be featured heavily, but it comes back to whether or not the offensive line can actually get some push. Um, two weeks ago against Youngstown State, an FCS opponent, so you would expect Ohio State to, to you know, literally physically move around all over the place, that didn't really happen. Last week against Western Kentucky, a little bit better. But um, offensive line play for the Buckeyes, I think, is the lingering question. If they get good offensive line play, I think they win this game you know, by a couple scores. If the offensive line does not play well, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. Okay, Al Golden has been known to blitz. Uh, you know, I don't know if Ohio State – is exactly seen a whole lot of blitzes these first game, three games. In fact, I've watched these three games, and they really haven't seen much of that. Is, is that going to be a huge adjustment for them in week four here? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. They haven't seen too many chaotic, you know, exotic blitz packages. And I would expect Notre Dame to try to speed up the clock a little bit on Kyle McCord and see if he can process things under a little bit more pressure. Um but Ohio State as a group has seen a bunch of teams the last couple of years that have brought lots of blitzes. Um, I'm, I'm reckoning back to even Indiana a couple of years ago when, I mean, it felt like they were bringing seven guys every play because they felt like that was just the only way they could 
uh, truly attack Ohio State's offense. Uh, so I, I don't think that it's going to go. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Buckeyes feel completely unprepared to handle uh, a whole bunch of that. But I'm, I'm sure Notre Dame's going to try to find ways to confuse Kyle and whether they're actually bringing extra blitzers or just showing them pre-snap and backing out of it. You know, maybe maybe you have defensive ends that drop into coverage and linebackers that come. Um, try to give him different kinds of looks that that you know are well disguised pre-snap. I think that's probably their better game plan because the reality is, Bob, if you get the ball to Marvin Harrison or Emeka Igbuka or Julian Fleming in open space, you're probably going to give up 20 yards. And if Notre Dame wants to win the game, they can't give up huge chunk plays to an offense that can move the ball the way Ohio State can. It, it most years here recently, or most games, I should say, here recently, uh, the Ohio State has not had. They've always it seemed like they've always had the superior quarterback. I don't think that's the case this week. You know, Sam Hartman, thirteen touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, the Ohio State defense, second year under Jim Knowles, uh, certainly looked good against an explosive Western Kentucky offense last week. Uh, how much has this defense improved from last year? You know, obviously, at the end of last year, we saw them give up tons of big plays and the losses to Michigan and Georgia. Uh, has that been cleaned up, do you think? Oh, God, yeah. Um, I, I guess I'll answer this question in two parts. Uh, first of all, defensively, this is the best Ohio State defense I've seen in several years. Um, they look outstanding. I, I want to see a little bit more from the defensive line in terms of creating pressure. Um, but Ohio State's got a top-five defense in the country right now by, by every metric. Um, and most importantly for Buckeye fans, the secondary has played terrific. Um, they, have, they, they have changed a little bit in the way uh, – well, I, I should say he has changed a little bit. Jim Knowles has in the way he's called plays, he was asked about this point blank last week where it's like, hey, look, you know, you had this, this back-to-back year stretch at, at Oklahoma State where you had a top-five defense nationally and they were super aggressive and, and this team was, you know, firing on all cylinders. He was asked how much of that success at Oklahoma State was due to your aggressive play calling. And he basically said it was a huge byproduct of it. And one of the lessons he had to learn at Ohio State was, He's got a little bit different caliber of athlete and better depth. And he's playing against offenses that look different in the Big Ten than they did in the Big 12. And he's he's adjusted to trying to just say, okay, I've got guys that can go make this happen. I don't need to blitz two extra players to get home on the quarterback because our defensive linemen have largely been good enough to create that pressure on their own. So I can call something a little bit less aggressive help the secondary from giving up those big chunk plays over the top that have cost us against Michigan and against Georgia last year. Um, Tommy Eichenberg, I think, is the best linebacker in America. He's unbelievably good. Um, you know, he's, he's the anchor of that group for sure. But Denzel Burke, a kid from out your way in Arizona, is, is playing as well as he's ever played after a bad year last year. He looks like an All-American this year. Um, so I, I really think those, those defensive issues have largely been put to bed. It's not to say you're never going to give up a bad play, but I, I think the defense has looked substantially better. I am willing, though, I think, to clap back just a little bit on something you said at the beginning. Now, I know this may not be super popular. 
Sam Hartman is very good, and his stats uh, certainly back that up. What he accomplished at Wake Forest was impressive, and he looks really good at Notre Dame so far. And and Kyle McCord is still unproven to a lot of people because he, he played three games this year, and he started a spot start against Akron a couple of years ago. Um, I think Kyle McCord's got better tools than Sam Hartman. But I don't know that I'm willing to say, you know, plant my flag in the ground for sure that Notre Dame's got a far superior quarterback in this game. Sam Hartman has played a lot of college football for sure. Um, He's got a ton of experience. He's one of the oldest kids playing college football in the country. But I'm, I'm pretty big on Kyle McCord. I really like the kid. And I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to see a, a pretty good performance from Kyle on Saturday. So with Brandon Gulick of uh, covers Ohio State for Sports Illustrated. Okay, last year Ohio State won the season opener 21-10. to uh, The quarterback and many other players, other key players, are different than a year ago. Does that game last year mean anything this week? I don't think so. You know, mostly because it was so early in the season uh, that both you know both teams let you gear up all off season to to try to go into a war like that. I think Ohio State in that sector in that game last year, the second half, they clearly were the better team. Um, it was a physical game that Ohio State eventually wore them down. But you know the Buckeyes had three future uh, NFL offensive linemen who, by the way, are all playing in the NFL right now. It's not like they're just on rosters. And you had the number two overall pick in the draft, leading a quarterback if, if you're a Buckeye there, right? And it was Marcus Freeman's first game. And, and look, Notre Dame the next week went, went at home and lost to Marshall. Um, so I, I just don't really put a ton of stock into last year's game when thinking about what we're going to see this year. There are so many new faces in key positions this time around. Um, I, I, I'm not reflecting too much on last year as I get ready for this year's game. Okay, so let's look ahead to this Saturday. We've covered a few things here. Are there any other you know, with, uh, areas you would consider to be the keys to the game this Saturday? Uh, I think Audrey Destiny for Notre Dame is a, a rock-solid running back. And I don't love Notre Dame's receivers. I think they're good. I don't think they're elite. Um, I would be surprised if Notre Dame doesn't try to establish the run game early on. So I'm, I'm kind of anticipating, you know, what's this going to look like when Audrick Estime gets some early touches in the game and, and how Ohio State flies to the football. Um, Josh Proctor, Ohio State starting safety, has had a really good start to the season. Probably his best stretch of three games he's played in his career. Josh is extremely aggressive, and he's very good defending the run. He's gotten significantly better in past uh, you know, pass game this year. Um, but he's still a little susceptible at times to, to letting a guy slip by him. I'm curious to see how Notre Dame tries to put Josh Proctor in a position where, you know, they can use his own aggressiveness against him. Um, and, you know, I, I want to see what kinds of packages Ohio State comes out in because, you know, game one against Indiana, they were lining up with, three tight ends and two running backs, and, and all of a sudden Buckeye fans are like, what What are we watching here? This doesn't look anything <laughs> like what we've come to see Ohio State run. Uh, they haven't really gone back to that the last couple of weeks, but 
you know, they've shown a variety of things here early in the year as they've tried to figure out what their own personnel and capability looks like. Um, and, and they're going to go do it against a team that finally is equitable in terms of talent. So I, I, I am also interested to see how Ryan Day teams these guys up. Um, they'll, they'll be ready, and, and I think they're excited for a chance to go prove that you know, everybody's been doubting Ohio State just because they haven't looked quite the way you want them to look because they only beat Indiana by a couple touchdowns and they, they only beat, you know, Youngstown State, uh, an FCS program, 35-10. to 10. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this, or I should say 35-7. to 7. I, I'd rather be Ohio State beating Youngstown State 35-7 than the way Michigan won their 35-7 game over UNLV. <laughs> And I'd rather be Kyle McCord this week than J.J. McCarthy, who threw three picks against Bowling Green last week. So, um, you know, I, I think Ohio State is, uh, is is walking into this game, Bob, with a chip on his shoulder, ready to prove that they are good enough to, to you know stay in the national conversation. Okay, I only got about 30 seconds here. Do they win that game Saturday night, Ohio State? Yeah, I think they do. Um, I think they win it somewhat convincingly. I'm, I'm going to say 34-20. All right, Brandon, good stuff. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks very much for anybody that's looking for Ohio State coverage throughout the course of the weekend. Uh, BuckeyesNow.com is the Fan Nation Network channel on Sports Illustrated. We've got lots of stuff on our YouTube channel as well, and um, we'll, uh, we'll have a live post-game show uh, from the stadium when, uh, when we're all done with the press conferences. We stream all that stuff live. So BuckeyesNow.com and the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast, wherever you like to get your favorite shows is where you can find us. Thank you very much, Brandon. Uh, have fun on Saturday night. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Brandon Gulick covers Ohio State for Sports Illustrated. All right, next segment, phone call time if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. You also get to some local roundup, including some Diamondbacks and Giants analysis from last night. And uh, time pending a little more on the NL wildcard chase. We're less than two weeks to go in the regular season. And... Uh, Kind of give you an update on that. A little bit on the Cardinals, Sun Devils, and Wildcats time pending in the next segment also. As far as their upcoming football games this weekend. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Listen to rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS Hotline 602 260 1060. And so, uh, we'll get to the local roundup. Uh, we'll just do a little bit of it right now, and then we'll get you uh, at least one phone call here in a moment. First up, the Diamondbacks, 4-0 and zero in their most important homestand of the season against uh, the Cubs and the Giants. They've outscored those two teams in these four games 27-16 to 16 so far. Last night, the Diamondbacks led 5-2 after two innings, and then I think cruised is a correct word to an 8-4 to four victory. Uh, Zach Gallon is 16th win of the season as uh, the Cubs, the uh, Diamondbacks remained a half game ahead of the Cubs uh, in the uh, wild card race here. 
Uh, the Giants have now lost four out of five, and they're now three games behind the Cubs for the final wild card spot. Gallon battled to make it through five innings to qualify for the win. He allowed four runs on six hits, three walks in those five innings. Uh, another injury for the Giants last night. They've had these in injuries to key players for a large majority of the season, unfortunately, for them. Starting pitcher Alex Cobb left in the third inning after reportedly, you know, basically aggravated the hip injury that's apparently bothered him since mid-June. Uh, he gave up five runs over the first two innings last night. Next up, the two-game series concludes today. The um, the uh, season series concludes today. And remember, tiebreakers uh, could be a playoff determiner, uh, if that's a word or not. Uh, they're right now 6-6 six and six in the season series, and this is the final game of the season series tonight, or excuse me, this afternoon. Logan Webb. Uh, who is the ace of the Giants staff, who's got, I think it's the second or third worst run support of any pitcher in Major League Baseball on this season. Uh, he's 10-12. and 12. He has a 331 run average against Merrill Kelly, who's 11-17 and 17 with a 445 earned run average on the season. All right, out to the KDUS hotline we go at 602-260-1060. Matt in Phoenix, hi there. Bob, how are you? Good. Good. Does Logan Webb remind you of a, another Webb um, that used to pitch here? Brandon yeah. Webb kind of kind of does yeah. for me. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe not. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, I'd say so. Got a lot of ground balls, right, for both yeah. those guys. Um, Absolutely. I think that um, I'm not sure which Webb has more strikeouts per nine innings. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I think you got. I think you're onto something here. Yeah, okay. I thought about All that, right. but yeah, okay. Um, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, I think the concerns up front for each team, I think uh, specifically in the middle or the interior of the offensive line for uh, the Irish or potentially um, the holdups here um, for each offense. A couple of questions. Uh, 50% Ohio State fans or is that too many? Oh, that's way too many. Um, okay. This isn't going to be. This isn't going to be like the Nebraska game. That was a long okay. time ago. Early, <laughs> I early remember part that of one. this cent- The early part of this century, like maybe two thousand two or so, yeah. when you know Nebraska, there were like seventy five percent Nebraska fans in yeah. South Bend. So there'll be there'll be there's Ohio State fans there for sure. It's not going to be of like course. the Indiana game. Uh, the Ohio State played in Bloomington. Uh, earlier this season where they had like 50% of the fans. Uh, this is going to be without a doubt uh, the most hostile environment that Common Court has ever played in. Not even close. I, don't, I have no idea what would be second. Okay. Because of the offensive line issues, do you see a potentially low-scoring game here? I could buy that. I mean, okay. I think that uh, Ohio State has the three offensive linemen that needed to be replaced and as you know, as Brendan mentioned in the last segment, uh, those guys are all playing uh, yeah. immediately in the NFL, yep. one by by injury, but they're all playing. And Notre Dame lost their two starting guards. Uh, bottom line, I I don't know if either of these teams is that good. Um, I agree with that. I think they're good, but I have no idea how good either team is because neither has played a real competent opponent so far. Absolutely correct. I want to talk a little bit about the most interesting game of the weekend for me. And no, it's not Iowa. Um, Thank God. Oregon, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to suspend you from Iowa discussion. So, um, Oregon State at Washington State. Yeah. Um, you and I are both 
fans of this Oregon State team have a future on them. Um, I don't know if that was just a sleepy spot last weekend against a pretty bad San Diego State outfit, um, but I wasn't impressed, and DJ turned the ball over a couple of times. Um, Cam Ward's playing as well as anybody in the country for Washington State. Yep. And, um, they've played a couple of, I guess, decent teams, uh, maybe one decent team in, in Wisconsin. Um, I kind of like the home dog here, uh, despite my love for Oregon State going forward. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not going to invest in this because I've already invested at Oregon State sure, uh, sure. to w- to win the conference. So, not going to do that. But uh, I heard somebody. I wish I mentioned. I don't remember who it was. Uh, mentioned this is the uh, the Pac-2 championship game uh, okay. for this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's an interesting way to put it. But uh, yeah, this has been a bad series lately for Oregon State. If you're anybody's into the history thing, they've lost eight yep. of their last nine against Oregon State. Or excuse me, against Washington State. They haven't won in Pullman since 2013. I actually think that both these teams are pretty good on defense. I agree with that. Um, I'm not completely buying into the Cam Ward thing yet. Okay. Uh, I think he was okay last year. He had a lot of bad plays last year, though, too. Yes, he did. And this is by far the best defense that he has faced so far. Yeah, absolutely. Lastly, Florida State Clemson. Is, Is Jordan Travis healthy? Well, he played the second half last week. It looked like he wasn't going to play the second half after he went down with the left shoulder injury in the first half of that game. Uh, so he he made it through. I don't you know I didn't I don't have a play by and I quit watching that game because it was thirty one to ten. The next thing I knew was like yep. thirty one to twenty eight. <laughs> yes. uh, so then I like watched the last two series and then Florida State took over again. But I'm pretty sure that he didn't run much. I looked at the numbers, and I don't know if he had any running plays called for him after that. So he has had some time to get ready. Yeah, Clemson is now one and three straight up in their last five or four games against Power Five opponents. Uh, they're not in the AP top 25, which I kind of agree on. Uh, they have a new kicker this week because their freshman kicker. Uh, from the first three games has been awful, and uh, they brought back a kicker who was actually retired. Uh, still a student at Clemson, but he yeah. retired from football last year. He is their kicker this Saturday, and I just think there's a quarterback edge here, a huge quarterback Completely. edge. I like I like Jordan Tra- Travis. I think that Klubnik is just pretty average, yep. uh, and I think that you know, Clemson would have been better off if they uh, somehow kept DJ. Line feels a little trappy to me. Uh, walking into Florida State less than a field goal, clearly the better team. Um, yeah. I'm a complete pass well, on the side. I kind of like the game under the total, though. Maybe, uh, unless you know, Klubnik just starts throwing it around to the wrong yeah. team, which it wouldn't shock <laughs> okay. me, quite frankly. <laughs> That's fair. I That's mean, plausible. He and they have been awful in the red zone so far. They've moved the yes, ball, they yep. uh, but they can't score touchdowns. The Duke game was horrific. Uh, in the right and then zone. the court, then the field goal kicker, who's now the demoted field goal kicker, misses uh, when they don't score touchdowns yep. for the last yep. you know, for several times. So uh, you know, Florida State's lost seven straight games to Clemson, and now they're favored to beat them at Clemson. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm leaning toward. I don't know if I'm gonna bet this, but you know, as far as just picking a side here, I'm taking Florida State because I think they're a superior okay. roster. 
Uh, and I'm just hoping that Travis, you mentioned the shoulder thing. Hopefully he's okay. Is this the best weekend of college football in some time, Bob? It is. Uh, you know, six top 25 matchups, and this isn't one of them because Clemson's now in the right. top 25 of the AP. So, yeah, this is good. It's been uh, – I don't know if it makes up for the first three weeks of the season, which have been Oof. which has been atrocious. Yeah, last but, uh, week yeah, hard looking, watch. Looking, definitely, definitely looking forward to Saturday. All right, Bob. Appreciate it as always. Take care. Uh, okay, thank you. And uh, get more to uh, some other things. We'll get to some more football, local football during the extra point. I'm sure with Kayla. Of course, the extra point from ten to noon, hosted by Kayla. So stay tuned for that. Our own more segment to go in today's sports home. Uh, we'll get to uh, some uh, little bit, uh, the national roundup, obviously. We'll try kind of a combination of rip from the headlines, a little from the wire action, and whatever time I have left will be some baseball from yesterday. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. A little rip from the headlines and from the wire combo here. There was speculation on Tuesday that the Jets might sign Colt McCoy who is still a free agent after being cut by the Cardinals after the preseason. Meanwhile, the Browns have uh, not surprisingly uh, signed Kareem Hunt. Of course, he was with them for a few years uh, before this year and worked out for a few teams. There was a speculation that either A, he was asking for too much money from these other teams or he was woefully out of shape, depending on which report you believed in. Uh, but Kareem Hunt, uh, obviously, after the Nick Chubb injury, the Browns looking to add a running back. We covered that with John McKechnie from rotowire.com during the uh, the Tuesday 9:15 segment of the Sports Zone, our weekly fantasy football segment with John. Baseball, as you heard during Corey's update uh, earlier in the hour, Shohei Otani expected to begin next season as a hitter. He did have Tommy John surgery. Uh, Otani will not pitch until the 2025 season. Where he pitches is the next big question. I think it's pretty apparent that the Angels are not going to be the answer to that question. Meanwhile, the Padres issues escalated on Tuesday. The Athletic reporting that Bob Melvin and General Manager A.J. Preller have an unfixable relationship. Meanwhile, from the MLB scoreboard from last night, the Jays are currently number two in the AL wildcard chase. George Springer celebrating his 34th birthday. He had his 57th career leadoff homer. Bo Bichette had a two-run homer. The Blue Jays beat the Yankees last night 7-1. Also around the American League, Texas uh, still is hanging around. Uh, you know, Josh Young, who's back from an injury, and he missed a lot of time, and that was a big deal for them. Uh, he had a, a tie-breaking single, two-run uh, single in the seventh inning. The Rangers... Beat the Red Sox 6-4 last night. 
Meanwhile, uh, Texas ended a four-game losing streak. They closed with a half game of the AL West leading Astros, who lost again last night, this time to the Orioles. The Rangers remain tied with Seattle for the third wild card spot, one game behind Toronto. Uh, Texas, uh, uh, and by the way, Texas and the Mariners play seven of the last ten games starting this upcoming weekend. So they're gonna a lot of lots gonna be decided in that uh, ten game stretch when they play seven games against each other. They play again in the rubber match of this series against the Red Sox. John Gray pitching today and uh, another of many baseball pitchers this year have been wildly inconsistent either dominant or not good at all and quite frankly not much in between he's pitching tonight or today for the uh, for the rangers against uh, brian baylow uh, who's been very good for the most part for the red sox in his second season as a major league pitcher uh Bayo is 12 and 9 with a 771 earned run average Gray really struggling here down the stretch. A long, long thing. Pretty much, some of this has been run support, but he's zero and three in his previous six starts. And the Mariners win last night. They beat the lowly Athletics, uh, so they're still in the mix. So we'll see what happens here in the next few days as the baseball season, regular season, winds down. All right, stay tuned. Next two hours, it's the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla, including more phone call time: 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening.